Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. Welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Very excited in today's episode to bring somebody in who's going to bring a really interesting perspective on the brain, on the mind, on behavior, on parenting, on education. It's going to be a very, very tangible conversation for our audience to really learn from and with. Today, we have Jennifer Fraser on with us. She's got a new book coming out in April called The Bullied Brain. All the links will be in the show notes. We'll talk a little bit about pre-release and early ordering and all that kind of stuff during the conversation. But we're going to really dig into an important topic today. We were talking a little bit more uh, before we hit record here about some of the topics we're going to get into. And just very, very excited to welcome you on to the Brain Mastery Podcast here today, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I love to talk about the brain. You and me and our audience as well. So for our listeners here, these are typically, many are sort of professionals in the area of brain health, and that could be occupational therapy, that could be physical therapy, uh, medical doctors, and everything in between. What really brought your interest into this world of the brain and of, well, really brain mastery and brain health? Help us to understand a little, I mean, I know you and I have a history, right, in the education side, which maybe we'll get into a little bit as well, but why don't you help our, our audience to better understand what brought you to this work? Okay, well, there's there's sort of three different sides to it. Um, my PhD is in comparative literature. So we were trained to take different discourses like anthropology and economics and feminism and literary theory and put it into dialogue. So we were literally trained throughout our academic work to get comfortable in the uncomfortable world of having sort of specializations come out of their silos and actually talk to each other. So I don't have a problem looking at politics and literature or looking at, you know, something like neuroscience and teaching or lived experience or literature again. So that's my background. I became, uh, I ended up working in an independent school um, and my eight-year-old showed signs of profound learning disability, which was kind of shocking to us, which is typical for parents because as an auditory learner, he was off like a genius, off the charts. So we didn't see it until he was eight when he was in school and he was expected to read stories. And then he had to answer questions about them. And he was making up the answers, like complete, like making it up, absolutely no retention. That's when we learned that he had less than 1% ability to retain visual information. And as you know, in the education world, our paradigm right now, it hasn't always been this way, but our paradigm right now is pure vision. It's like everything's about visual retention. So it was really serious. So we ended up putting him into Eaton Aerosmith School. That's how I met Jason Cruikshank and how I became a huge fan of his. And um, he's just been a great friend ever since. And I think, I think what he's doing and what you're doing is incredibly important. So our son, after four years, came out. He was tested by the same educational psychologist that did the first one. And she was just flabbergasted. She said, I've never seen this before. This boy does not have a learning disability anymore in his visual retention. So our son now is a voracious reader, 
he, he reads hundreds and hundreds of books and he doesn't listen to them. He reads them. So, and his retention is, it embarrasses me. I'm like, what was the name <laughs> of the character? You know? And so and then that was, so comparative literature, PhD, child with a learning disability, where I suddenly learned myself as an educator, oh my, our model is off. This is cognitive rewiring. We're not pouring knowledge into children's heads. We are training them how to learn about the world and focus their their brain strengths and work on their brain deficits and get stronger. And, you know, it just, it totally changed the way I thought about things as an educator and as a mother. So then the third thing that happened was my eight-year-old's older brother is in high school, in a private school. And it turned out that there was a very small group of teachers who were very, um, like lots of verbal abuse, physical abuse, et cetera. Mm physical abuse in the sense of not striking the child, physical abuse in terms of assaulting them, yelling in their face, intimidating them, that sort of material. So my response to that, being a researcher and knowing a little bit about the, the neuroscience, I was like, what does this do to the brain? Like, yeah, yeah. In school and the, the government and the lawyers, they're all saying, oh, don't worry about it. That's, you know, it's just like what we said with concussions. He got your bell rung, no big deal. But I don't, I, I don't go with that. I'm an academic, so I need to know what the researchers say. So when I started researching what verbal abuse and psychological abuse does to brains, especially developing brains of adolescents, I had a fit. And I have been working since that time. And this is why my book is coming out in April. I never stopped working on this. Um, I work on the bullied brain. I want all parents, all educators, mm. all lawyers, Everybody needs to know, hey, this is the new model. Our outdated belief system is really destructive. We've got to get up to speed with what the neuroscientists are seeing. And so I packed it full of research. But so the focus is the bullied brain. I want people to know. But then the subtitle of the book gives you an idea of the direction I'm going in and why I'm so excited about the work you're doing. Because great, well, the brain gets, gets really damaged by all forms of abuse. But it's miraculous, as you would know, at healing. So the second part of the book is heal your scars and restore your health. And that's, that's why we have so much synergy. I love it. Way to go. I mean, congratulations to you. Something that really strikes me is, uh, and I want to acknowledge for you is your commitment to, to action. You know, one of the things that, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword for me as well. You know, I, I see so many people raising awareness and education to challenges that are out there today. And I think that's really important and that's where it starts, but it's another thing to actually step forward and try to better understand how to do something about this problem. And I really want to acknowledge you for doing that, you know, having that lived experience as a mother, you know, as a sister, as a, you know, you, you know, you name it and really a citizen though, concerned about this and looking for the facts, which I really respect. And then, okay, here's what we're observing. Here's what we're seeing. Okay. Here's how we're going to try to better understand how to do something about it. So kudos to you for, for that. I just, I absolutely love it. And, you know, Jason's a good friend, very intelligent person, very good communicator. And, you know, I'm so happy that he's, uh, he's reconnected us. So with that main message, I love it. What are you finding then? Tell us more. Like I'm, I'm, I'm as curious as anyone else. And this is a new subject area for me. What are we finding? What's the data? What's the literature suggesting? What is the impact of bullying on the brain? Well, uh, sorry to report, it's, um, it's extremely damaging. So they can see now 
clear as day on MRI, on fMRI, they can see the damage done to the brain. And I mean, it's things like it leaves distortions, it erodes myelination in the corpus callosum. It does lots of invisible, the way I think of it is like invisible scars. And what's horrible about it is, you know, if I went to work and someone punched me in the face, you could see the Mm. hurt, you could see the bruising, you would rush me to the doctor. The doctor would instantly use her, his medical expertise to help me heal. There would be an enormous amount of compassionate outpouring. Now, I went to work and somebody called me a stupid, lazy, worthless person. Nothing would happen. I I would, I would go home. I'd tell my husband, my husband would say, that's awful. Um, You shouldn't put up with that, you know, lodge a complaint, whatever. There's no expert that's healing the damage done to my brain. There isn't compassionate outpouring. No one can see it. And I mean, going back to our conversation about my son, we are a deeply visual society. And the fact that we can't see our brain has led us to be a society that actually ignores our brain. So in my bigger picture, when I'm writing about the bully brain, I'm really talking about all of us. You know, the fact that we, we still operate in this kind of like medieval idea that like mental illness is like, oh, it's a curse from something and it's embarrassing and there's a stigma. It's like, if I told you I had diabetes, there would be no stigma. You'd be like, that's not good. You've got to get some help. If I told you I had schizophrenia, you would be like, oh, that's like, you need to be locked up and hidden away. Yeah, no, it's awful. And, you know, I, I, I think that's where I really do want to acknowledge some of the efforts that are done by organizations, not exclusive to them, but like the Bell Let's Talk. I think I, I want to acknowledge that they're trying to open up that dialogue and that conversation, which I think is so good. And and that's where I'm sure you and I have a mutual ad- admiration, perhaps. I don't know. I won't want to speak for you, but for Brene Brown and some of her work in that trying to open up the vulnerability, you know, to move past some of that fear and to really be open uh, or work towards becoming more open so that one can own those vulnerabilities and own where we're at when we're not okay and when we're struggling. Well, my big dream and hope is to change the language because I'm a language person and I think about language. And I think our mistake is that we talk about mental health and that's a really outdated term. I think we have to start talking about brain health and we have to start to understand, as you know, in your work and the work you're doing, you know, it's great. We started in the 1980s understanding that fitness was a core part of health and well-being. You know, I grew up back in the day where you'd go to the doctor who'd be smoking a cigarette, put it down and write a prescription, right? And so, you know, I'm a big believer that we can change. We can change and we need to. So in my TEDx talk, I used that analogy. And let me just say, if anyone's going to go watch my TEDx talk, it was done at Langara College by a bunch of business students and the sound is terrible. (laughs) So don't, please don't go and watch it necessarily. But I use the analogy of smoking. So I grew up where smoking was normal. Mm. Everybody did it, including the medical professionals. They did it. We all thought it was fine. We thought it made it tough. We thought it made us independent and glamorous. Hollywood smoked, so we were lucky to smoke too. We learned no from the x-ray. It causes cancer. We stopped. As a society in general, it's you can't even smoke anywhere. So not even outside. And what we learned too is, which I think is really important in terms of the brain and in terms of bullying and trauma, we learned that the smoker, so the one that's actually doing the act, 
isn't being as harmed as much as the person that's with them. So with children, you know, if you, if you're using highly abusive language, if you're yelling, if you are giving them unfair opportunities and blocking others, not only are you hurting your own brain, really hurting your own brain, you're also hurting really in a more intense way, the brains of others. And that's, that's a serious thing we need to learn about and we need to have accountability around. And all of us need to work on improving because I don't, I certainly am a parent who's yelled at my kids. I'm not a bad, evil person, but you know, my brain gets activated. I act out and I'm spreading this negativity and harm really. So I think it's a, it's an overall, just like smoking was, we really need the government involved. We need the government and the lawmakers and the policy writers to start um, putting brain health and brain fitness we are so lopsided as a society. You know, we, we keep people alive until they're, you know, in their nineties, but we don't keep their brains healthy. So I mean, I absolutely agree, but I also can appreciate that it can be hard. It can sound like, okay, but she's a, you know, she's a PhD. She, you know, Jennifer's so intelligent. She's, she's, you know, over here. You know, she can do this because, you know, she's researched this. She understands. So for some of us that might be not maybe as educated on this topic, where do we start? What are some tangible steps that you could maybe advise our listeners on? Because I love where this is going, but what are some really tangible take-homes for our listeners and for myself selfishly to take home to apply to do this ourselves? Well, I mean, just in this wonderful thing that happens with books when you put yourself out there, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's like the hero's journey. You know, the hero goes through their fear, they slay the dragon, and then helpers come. So luckily for me, there's a bit of a story to this, but I was saying to myself and talking to my literary agent who's in the States, and both of us were like, nobody wants to read your book. You're not a neuroscientist. What are we going to do? You know, I did all the research. I certainly, I put in eight years of research into that book. I'd read everything on what trauma does to the brain, what abuse does to the brain and bullying. Didn't matter. I, if I'm not a neuroscientist, I really don't have the right to speak on this. So I needed someone to help me. So I ended up having a discussion with Dr. Michael Merzenich. And Dr. Mm, Michael Merzenich, yeah. you don't, you know his work. Yeah, he's, he's the father of neuroplasticity. He is one of the most highly awarded neuroscientists out there. So mm-hmm. I, I had this very formal academic speech for him. And then as soon as I met with him, I just told him sort of straight from the heart what had happened, how my son was hurt, why it mattered to me, why I saw these other students being hurt. I wanted everyone to know. And it was really high stakes, like life and death high stakes. And so I just gave him the spiel. And at the end of it, he just said, well, how can I help? What what can I do? He's that sort of a person. Mm -hmm. So he went through my book, every single word in the book, and he made, you know, gave it the scientific check mark. Like you're not doing anything wrong. You're not mm-hmm. saying anything incorrect. You should reword this. Scientists don't talk this way. You know, he really, really took a, a passionate interest in it, but he did say as well. And I think this is a really important message for listeners. He said, this is the most scientifically thorough treatment of this subject on planet earth. I'm the girl that barely passed science in high school. So I don't know if it says something about how we teach science or understand science, but you can know as much about your brain as you can about your body. If you can understand how your ankle works or your ears work or, you know, your elbow, you can understand how your brain works and you can 
see it as a, a holistic thing, which it is, it operates very much that way, but you can also artificially break it down like you can with your body. Parts of it are named and you can understand how, you know, what they're involved in. And I think all of us, because our school system and our professional world and our governments aren't doing this right now, we've got to be the leaders. We have got to stand up and get educated ourselves. So my book is written, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I did look at all the scientific conclusions. Could I understand the graphs in the middle and the really complicated way in which they did things? Absolutely not. But I could understand what they saw on MRI when they looked at the brain. When I found out the kinds of damage being done, I was alarmed. And mm-hmm. I, I just well, think anyone yeah. can understand. Well, thank you for, again, taking action on that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading the book when, it, when it's ready. And I'm sure our listeners will be all over it too. So again, we got to make sure that, that, you know, check the show notes and, and look for the release dates because this is one tangible way for us each to better understand the impact of our behavior in communication on our brains. And that doesn't just mean today, there's a long-term impact of those repeated behaviors. And, you know, you know me, I definitely come from, you know, the relationship between behavior and cognition. As our listeners know, that's kind of my background and what we're kind of doing at ABI Wellness and in, in my professional work. And, you know, when you think about, you know, and I think I know where you're going to go with this, but when you think about the world right now and some of those frustrations, you've already hinted on it. But if you're to put it into kind of a concise statement, what frustrates you about this kind of, well, maybe it's mental health into brain health space right now. What is it if there's kind of one thing that really frustrates you? I think that my greatest frustration is that the mental health world is the only area in which the organ that is at the absolute center of what they're doing is not talked about enough. So mm-hmm. I think that we all need to just shift. I, I call it a paradigm shift. So in my book, I talk about how we actually, and it it's too complicated to explain now, but if you read the book, you get this sense of, I argue we live right now, and I, you can just take a quick glance at the newspaper to get confirmation of this. We live in a bullying and abuse paradigm. The truth mm-hmm. is we believe on a deep level that it makes, it creates power and it creates greatness. So we abuse our children and we, we try to, we say we have zero tolerance, but it's, it's not true. Our education, our sports, our arts, our workplaces are rife with abuse. And, and we, we like to pretend that's not the case, which is incredibly unhealthy. It's, as you would say, it's cognitive dissonance. So it's not healthy. So I argue we all have to make a shift and work hard together because it's not coming from above. It's got to be a grassroots thing. It's got to be companies like yours that are leading the way. And, and I call it a new neuro paradigm. So the framework is if we foregrounded our brains, if we cared as much about our brains and we made them come alive for ourselves, like we do our bodies, then we would be a very different society, you know, and I think we need to learn that language. I agree. And, uh, you know, neuroanatomy, like understand what parts of the brain do what understanding, you know, linking in, you know, that's part of the power, I think, of mindfulness and biofeedback, which, you know, I'm too much of a nerd to it. I don't want to admit, but, you know, I, I use biofeedback every day, every morning. I started built into my routine. Uh, because I want to better understand what truly calm feels like for me. And I like to quantify things because you know, you know me, I'm a research guy. So I, I, I like to understand that. And I think 
helping people to better understand when I am feeling this level of stress and I'm close to a panic attack because I'm about to go into a situation that causes me to have these physiological sensations, I can then start to understand and name what amygdala hijack is, right? And that's a wonderful thing. Understanding that when I get to that point, that means the blood flow is going to the top of the brainstem because I'm like fight or flight, which means I'm not going to be able to solve any complex equation or think at a high level because the prefrontal cortex isn't getting the kind of oxygen and blood flow that it needs to be efficient, right? And, And if we can get people having that conversation with your leadership, right? Having that conversation, that awareness and bringing that, oh my God, to the workplace. Wouldn't that be wonderful if HR was, I mean, I like the way you're going here. So um, it's really exciting. Well, I think, you know, when we get to a world where our kids can talk about their brains, then we're going to be in a way better place. If we can get to a world where your workplace doesn't just have a fitness area for the body. It also has a brain fitness program where all employees are encouraged because it increases their productivity. It makes them communicate better. They should all be going to brain fitness every single day for half an hour. And they should do their mindfulness. Half an hour of mindfulness every single day. Yeah. Well, and that's part of what we're trying to do, as you know, and I'm not trying to be like, you know, plugging what we're doing, but that's just what we've seen out there is it's really problematic. You know, I see a gym on every corner I see a physiotherapy clinic on every corner where I'm sure you do too. But what about functional cognitive health? Like, why is that not more of a thing? Because the brain controls the body. Like we got opportunity here to do, to live better lives by deploying really safe protocols to help people. What stands in the way, as you know, is changing behavior is extremely hard and doing things that are new takes time, but it takes people like yourself, uh, innovators, you know, that again, are doing something about this problem. You know, it's just absolutely huge and wonderful. And, you know, we'll probably have you on again before the, the book launch, just so that we can make sure that maybe I can get a copy to read first, uh, wherever I can order it so that I can ask you some more intelligent questions <laughs> when we get there. Now, quickly, I'm always curious to understand what is maybe one or two key influences for you? Like what really helped to get you into this? If there was maybe a book, an article, a- anything for our listeners to our listeners love to read. They love research. So if there's anything in there that, that you might want to reference, that'd be great. Yeah, actually, the, the changing moment for me was I read an article in the Boston Globe. And it was written mm-hmm. in 2010. And you can still get it. And the article, just Google the alarming neuroscience of taunting. Mm-hmm. And I was just absolutely shaken to the core. And mm. it, was, it was featuring Dr. Martin Tyker at Harvard's research. And mm. he has worked on child abuse, verbal child abuse, physical, et cetera, sexual abuse throughout his career. And, you know, that was 2010 and nothing's changed. So I'm the kind of person, I'm like you, when we were, we've talked before and you were saying you're like a locomotive. I'm like a locomotive too. And I, I just am, I will not stop. I am so frustrated by child abuse and the fact that nothing changes in our society. You know, I look at my own childhood. I was sexually abused, physically abused, and emotionally abused by three teachers in high school. That's in Vancouver at Prince of Wales School, along with many other students. It's never just mm-hmm. one. It's always a pattern. Mm-hmm. And nothing has changed. You know, my kids are, they've gone through the school system and there's no safer laws. There's no more education. There's Mm. no open discussions. I mean, 
I love Bell. Let's talk. But my my let's yeah. talk is about let's talk about the abusive conditions that we put children in that give them mental illness. We have you know one in one in four now suffers from mental illness, but we don't talk about abuse. We're a society that likes to keep that behind closed doors. So until we find the courage to open that door, mm. we are not going to heal and change and get better. And so yeah, I am the very unpleasant, unpopular abuse lady. I don't stop talking about it because it hurts the brain. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I like that you're leading though with education because I think for many people who aren't in this space, right? It's a tough topic to wrap their head around because so many people assume the mind and the brain are the same thing, right? And Bell Life's talk is good enough because I have a lot of other things to manage. But when you unpack the onion a little bit and you help get, get a couple layers under and you understand that this is actually what the brain does, this is how the brain functions, and this is actually the damage that is being done as a result of this sort of communication and behavior. And if we can help people, my whole thing, and I'm sure yours too, is to start to work towards self-mastery first, understand me and where I might be at and what is causing the behaviors that are coming out of me and what is my responsibility and the impact of those. I think you're going to have a big impact here, uh, Jennifer. Like This is much needed work. And I want to acknowledge you again for having the courage to do that and to take the you know a lifetime of work and to put it into script and to go to Mersnick. I mean, he's awesome, super cool that you've got that that ally. And Barbara Aerosmith Young, who you know well, I'll make sure I make her aware of, the, of all this. So send me the information. I'm I'm very close with her, so I'll make sure that it gets over to her and to Howard as well. Even another one of my mentors. I'll make sure this is a topic close to their heart as well. Is there any kind of any parting words that you want the listener to better understand before we let you go? I think my parting words are just the most exciting and inspiring part of the work that I've done is yes, abuse is so harmful and we all need to know that, but it's breathtaking how much our brains can heal. If we work with them as opposed to against our brains, they are nothing short of miraculous at healing. So that's the biggest message is do not despair. Do not worry. You have within you the most mm. remarkable organ. Mm. It's just stunning. And it's so profoundly entwined with our planet. Like I've, I'm at a place now where I, you read the research and you're like, the planet is not our home. We are this planet and this planet is us. I mean, the huge breakthroughs that neuroscientists make are by studying fungus or fruit flies. That's how they have Nobel prize winning <laughs> because it tells them so much about our brains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. Leaving that with optimism. I, I'm so with you. Like the brain has such a remarkable capacity to heal and, and to heal itself. And that's where Dr. Norman Doidge's work has been so paramount, right? Is the brain does have remarkable capacity. However, it does take effort and attention, right? It takes a kind of almost like a, a commitment or, or love, just like we love our bodies. Now we know that they need all kinds of care and appreciation and our brains do too. hundred percent. Now for people who want to pre-order the book, they want to get a hold of you. They want to support you. They want to learn about you. What's the best way to get in contact with you? Um, my website is www.bulliedbrain.com. The book is now you can pre-order the book. It's on Amazon. And yeah, no outreach to me, no problem. Send me an email. I love to work with people. I do lots of consulting work and okay. I'm 
as you can probably tell, pretty passionate about this. So I love um, it. Any, I, I'm happy to hear from anyone and I'll do the best I can to direct you to the right people or support you or all those things. It. Well, congratulations to you on all the successes. And I know we're just getting going here. It's really exciting. And um, I think it's going to do a lot of good for people, for all of us to maybe become a little bit more self-aware about some of the things that maybe we're doing really well, but also areas for improvement. So I'm looking forward to digging into it myself and and, and looking to get better as, as we launch into 2022. So thanks again, Jennifer, and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Brain Mastery podcast. We're super grateful for the community of supporters of this podcast. Again, this podcast was designed with an intention and an objective, and that was to share stories of rehabilitation, of recovery from brain injury, to really interview some of the leaders out there to provide more hope to community members. So thank you again for all of the support with that. If this episode resonated for you and had value for you, we just ask, please download and share it. Please also, if you wouldn't mind, rate the podcast. Those ratings really matter and help us to spread the message. If you're a clinical provider out there, meaning a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or somebody who just works with people with brain injury and want to learn more about the BEARS platform, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to do so. Just go to www.abiwellness.com to learn more about how to get involved. Uh, Training is very accessible and we've tried to make it very, very easy for people to get access to this neurorehabilitation platform. Thank you again for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.